Good morning, friends. Uh, great to have you, whether you're joining from Facebook, from newlife.nyc, or from YouTube. What a gift to worship with you on this second Sunday in January. For those of you watching uh, and you're new to our community, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor of New Life Fellowship Church here in Queens, New York City. And I have good news uh, for us in terms of those who are local to our area. I wanted to give you an update on what's happening as it relates to in-person gatherings. Throughout the pandemic, which is now almost, it's hard to say and crazy to think of, almost two years now, we have sought as a congregation, as a leadership team, to be wise, to be prudent, to be very calculated about how we uh, respond to the pandemic and offering opportunities to gather in person because we recognize that this is a very difficult season for many people and we want to work with our city for the common good. Uh, for the first two weeks of the year, we have chosen to go online, uh, but starting next week, we're, and we're looking at this in two-week increments because, as you know, things can change from one day to the next. And so uh, on uh, January 16th, which is next Sunday on the 23rd, we are going back to in-person worship. It's going to be at 9 o'clock and at 11 o'clock, our usual worship times. What we're doing differently for the next two weeks, and then we're going to assess after that, is we're going to limit it to 150 people at each service. And so 150 people at the 9 o'clock, 150 people at the 11 o'clock service. And what we need you to do is register like we've done before because we want to keep it manageable in light of the new variant and the, how contagious it is. We want to just be wise on our end. And so we need you to register for that. The link usually goes out early in the week. If you go to newlife.nyc, you'll probably also get an email or something along those lines. Just make sure that you register to join one of those services. We'll have kids ministry in a limited way for the 11 o'clock service. And as we've done in the past, masks will be required in the building. Of course, we will live stream at 11 a.m. So you can join us if you can't make it into uh, this building. And lastly, I just want to say, because things are changing so rapidly and new information goes out, the best thing you can do is just sign up to receive our emails or uh, join our YouTube page or Instagram page where we send out all this information on a regular basis so that you are in the know. But I look forward to worshiping uh, with many of you uh, next week, so uh, please register when that link goes out. We are continuing our series on the book of Proverbs. We started last week on the wisdom of searching for wisdom, and today we're focusing on becoming wise with our words, becoming wise with our our words. In the summer of 2003, I never forgot it. I spent that summer, I was in Florida with my parents, uh, had graduated from college, and I took the entire summer to read through the book of Proverbs multiple times, and I put an asterisk by every proverb that had something to do with our words, something to do about our tongue, the way that we speak. And what I discovered in 2003 and have since reflected on since that time, almost 20 years now, has been the importance of the book of Proverbs as it relates to the words that we speak. That our words can do great healing or bring great healing or bring great harm. And so learning to speak is not just something that toddlers uh, are, are learning to do. It is something that we must 
continue to learn throughout the entirety of our lives, learning how to speak. And today we're going to talk about becoming wise with our words. We're looking at one proverb in particular, although I might dance around here and then flip through the pages to look at a few other proverbs. But Proverbs 18, verse 21, a very familiar passage of Scripture, this is what it says. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Let's pray together. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Give us ears to hear, a heart to receive, and eyes to see all you have for us through this message today. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I want you to think about the words that you spoke this past week. Were they words that encouraged or discouraged? Were they words that healed or brought harm? Were they words that were truthful or false? Did they honor or were they flippant? It's important to take inventory because we know, and if we don't know, we're going to discover the power of our words. Growing up, we all heard things like sticks and stones may break our bones, but words will never hurt me. And we know how false that phrase is. We've heard things like, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. One of my favorite illustrations related to words has to do with toothpaste. We've heard it said that our words are like toothpaste, that once they are spoken, they can never be taken back and put back into that tube from early on in life we have been trained to know about the power of our words and we have felt the impact of the lack of wisdom as it relates to our words whether in the playground or whether in our living room whether in our schools or whether in the office we know the power of our words to do harm or to bring healing and this is something we need to be reminded of regularly, that in your tongue has the power of death and life. When I think about life and the words that are spoken, I, I think about something that I do uh, almost every year. I have a little shoebox, and in the shoebox, uh, I usually keep cards, the birthday cards, uh, encouraging notes that I've received from people over the years. And I keep those, uh, those cards and, and those notes because I sometimes uh, feel deep down inside that I don't measure up. They're deep down inside messages, internalized messages that lead me the wrong way. And sometimes I just need to be reminded what others have spoken, what God has spoken. But not just God, what God has spoken through people over my life. And sometimes I just take out the card and read it and I find incredible life surging through me. We all know the power of life and death that it's in the power of our tongue. And this is such an important message for us because we live in such a wordy world. Our words are more visible than ever before because of technology. Our words travel farther than ever before because of technology. Our words, once we say them or once we tweet them or Facebook them, they have the potential to stay throughout the, for the rest of our lives because of something called a screenshot. And so because we have technology, our words carry farther. Our words go places that we could never dream of. 
And Jesus has something to say about these words that we speak. There's actually a very sobering passage in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 12 why this message is so important. Jesus says these words. He says, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak that's from our lord and this has me shaking in my vans today on the day of judgment people will give account for every careless word that they speak this passage is to wake us up and give attention to the words we speak and the things we tweet and everything in between and we need to pay attention because of of our words because the world more than anything needs wise speech. In this political season, this world needs wise speech. In our homes, we need wise speech. In our schools, in our churches, we need wise speech. And so before we go any farther here, I want to ask you, how have the words that you've been using brought healing or harm? Are the words you're using bringing healing or harm, bringing death or life to the people around you? As a parent, how would you describe the words you speak to your children? How would you use the words you speak to your spouse? How would you use the words you speak to your your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your partner? How are the words you would speak to someone who cuts you off in traffic, to someone who is your, your coworker, your boss, to someone who sees the world different than you do? from a different religion, from a different political party? How would you see and assess your words? Our text this morning reminds us of the power of life and death. Proverbs 18, 21, hear the word again. The tongue has power, uh, the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Listen to the King James, how I first memorized it. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Listen to the message. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Throughout the Proverbs, there are so many themes. But Proverbs has more to say about words than just about anything else in it. It has more to say about words than money, than sex, than family. And this is the case because our words matter. In conversations and in emails, they matter. On our texts and blogs, they matter. Our phone calls and social media, they matter. Much of the tensions in our families, tensions in our workplaces, tension in our dorms, tension in our churches come often because of foolish words. And so this text says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. This proverb is thousands of years old, and yet it remains one of the most relevant pieces of wisdom for all of us. It says, first of all, that death comes as a result of our words. Now, all of us have experienced this. All of us know what it's like to say something, and as we're saying it, no, this is not good what I'm saying right now, but you're 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 so far down a road that you keep on going. We know what it's like to be so in the moment that the words that are coming out of us are bringing out hurts, bringing out death, bringing about condemnation towards others. And not only us on the giving end of it, we know what it's like to be on the receiving end of somebody else's death words. 
We know what it's like to have someone gossip about us, to have someone criticize us, to have someone judge us unfairly. We know that our tongues have great capacity to be weapons of mass destruction. It's our words that bring about war. It's our words that often wound people. It's our words that separate people. It's our words that have incredible power. And so this proverb is to jolt us. I mentioned last week that these proverbs are given not just to increase our quality of life. These proverbs are not given just to make us more comfortable. What's at stake here is life and death. To choose the way of foolishness is to go in the path of death. To go in the way of wisdom is to choose life. And this proverb is a clear warning calling us to pay attention to the death words that we speak. The death words that we often receive. Death words are words that label. Death words are words that marginalize. Death words are words that condemn, that wound, that seek to diminish others. And whenever death words are spoken, especially in the company of others, everyone is led to a path of death. I think about this rabbinic saying, it says, whenever one speaks ill of another, it is as if the person were killing three people. The speaker who has perpetuated evil, the object of the language whose reputation has been slandered, and the one who listened to the slander, now an accomplice. Not only is the outside world filled with death words, here's the reality that we must pay attention to as well. Our inside worlds are also marked by death words. Many of us have words that are so lodged in our subconscious, so lodged deep down in our souls, that they have power over us. For some of us, these are words that have identified us for many, many years. And as a result, because we have so internalized them, They have diminished us. Some of you have heard words and maybe these words came because someone spoke these words. Or maybe it was somehow internalized in a different way. But these words have diminished us. Words that you internalize that say, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not accomplished enough. Have you heard those words before? Have you ever internalized those words, particularly at a low moment in your life? Maybe you've said, I'm just so stupid. Who would want to be with me? This is why I should be alone. And the list goes on and on and on. These words have a way of so diminishing our lives. And I'm here to let you know that all of those words are lies. That God speaks a better and truer word over you today. That those death words don't have to have the last word. That God seeks a better and truer word over your life. And yet we know the power that these words have over us. Growing up, I, I would hear words that would be lodged in me. I consistently heard as a kid, I was just too skinny as a kid. And I would hear these well-meaning relatives and, and, and friends say, you don't eat enough. You need to gain some weight. And on and on it went as a child to the point where even to this day I'm quite self, self-conscious about appearance and such. 
And I realized that even though they had good intentions, sometimes these words can be internalized in such a way that they lead to death. And this is what I know. Those words spoken over me had good intentions. But some of the words spoken over you have not had good intentions. They've had bad intentions. Some of you watching, the message was not, you're too skinny. The message was, you're just too fat. When are you going to get it together? And those words were not spoken with good intentions. They were spoken with condemnation. They were spoken with shame. They were spoken not to help you. They were spoken to shame you. And so for those of you who have experienced this epidemic of death words, whether it happened last week or whether it happened last decade, or whether it happened a long time ago and you still continue to internalize these messages, we turn to the gospel because the gospel has good news for us. The good news of Christianity is that the death words that we speak and the death words that we receive do not have to have the last word. The good news of Christianity is that the gospel has come in Jesus Christ and that God's word is more powerful than any word that has ever been spoken over you. Any word that you have internalized, which is why I love that, the, that Jesus is known as the word of God. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and then the word becomes flesh Jesus is the word that overcomes every death word that has been spoken over you every death word that has been spoken to you every death word in our society has now meet to be subjected to the power of Jesus's word because his word has power over every death word every negative word every wounding word and we declare as the people of God that in Christ Jesus those death words don't have the last word and to the to the degree that we internalize that to the degree that we pray it to the degree that we sit in that new reality is the degree to which we will release ourselves from the death words that have been spoken. This is why I love my, the, my, my, the passage that I return to over and over. And as it has become my life story in the Gospels. Is when Jesus gets baptized. When Jesus gets baptized, he comes out of the water and a word of affirmation is spoken over him. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And what I love about that passage is that Jesus received these words from the Father before he did anything spectacular, before he healed blind eyes, before he raised the dead, before he fed 10,000 people with a can of bumblebee tuna and a little bit of Wonder Bread, before he did all of that, the Father says, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. The Father speaks life over him, and right after the Father speaks life over him, the evil one comes in to question the validity of that affirmation if you are the son of God prove it if you are if you are if you are and Jesus keeps going back to the word of affirmation spoken over him this is my son in whom I'm well pleased and that's what the father speaks over you today you are my daughter in whom I'm well pleased you are my son in whom I'm well pleased and the degree to which we can sit in that reality is the degree to which those death words will not have power over us. Hear the words. Jesus speaks words over us. 
in such a way that diminishes the power of these death words. And so before I talk about what it means to become wise in our words, we must first receive the words that the Father has spoken over us. And as we receive the words that the Father has spoken over us, those words are to now form us in wisdom. The temptation that we have, especially for those who have been wounded by words, is to take the woundedness that we feel and now dish it to someone else. That is the, the, the cycle of the world. You wound me, I'm wounding you right back. But Proverbs is to lead us to become wise with our words. The Father speaks a word of blessing over you, affirmation over you, life over you, peace over you. Now what does it mean for us to take what the Father has spoken and now to offer our words for healing, restoration, reconciliation, justice, and love? What does it look like to become wise with our words? And that's what I want to land our sermon today with four uh, proverb principles on becoming wise with our words. How do we become wise with our words? I want to get super practical here, four ways. The first way is this. If we're going to become wise with our words, it requires us to talk less and listen more. Talk less and listen more. I was going to say talk less and smile more for some of you who would really appreciate that, uh, but um, we'll go with talk less, listen more. Proverbs chapter 10, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Here's the principle. Look how simple it is. I'm going to get really deep here. One of the ways to wisely use our words is to use less of them. I, I know, profound. One of the ways to, 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 to wisely use our words is to use less of them. And I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, I hope he applies this to the length of his sermon. I, I, I know that's what you're thinking right now. I don't know about you, but very often... The less I talk, the better I do. And yet, I don't always live by this proverb principle. I have made promises speaking out that I cannot keep. I've said things that I later regret. I've learned this with social media as well. There have been times where I've, had, I've gotten into a heated discussion about an issue and I know I'm about to cross the line and I have crossed the line. And in our technologically advanced words, uh, world, our words live much longer than we ever had hoped them to. And so to live this proverb principle requires us to learn to cultivate silence. Which is why when I talk about silence and contemplative prayer a lot at New Life and why we are to surrender our words to God and just be with God without having to speak any words, that that is just as much prayer as having a verbal conversation with God. The reason we are to live a contemplative life with God is because this is what it does. It trains us to withhold our words when being with people. It trains us to use our words more wisely when I'm with people. It trains us to talk less and to listen more. Which is why silent prayer is such good training ground for our interpersonal relationships. And yet this is so hard for us. Thinking of another proverb, I think about what Plato said. Plato said, wise men speak because they have something to say. Fools speak because they have to say something. 
There's a big difference here. And so the first principle of this Proverbs that we see over and over again is that if we're going to become wise in our speech, it requires us to talk less, listen more. Secondly, what does it mean to become wise? Well, when you're angry, wait to speak. When you're angry, wait to speak. Proverbs 29 says, A fool gives vent, full vent to his anger, but a wise person keeps themselves under control. Sometimes we need minutes, sometimes we need hours, sometimes we need days, sometimes we need weeks to wait. Because the anger has so now corrupted our hearts. There's good anger, and then there's the anger that just so corrodes our souls. We live in a world that when we're triggered by something, everyone knows what we think about a matter in a matter of seconds because of the access that we have to technology. But the problem is much of our response, much of our speech does not come out of a place of reflection, but out of a place of reactivity. There's an absolute time without question for anger. It's a healthy emotion. But in our anger, we become prone to wounding others. Have you said something recently in anger that you regret? Snapped at your children? Yelled at your spouse? Cursed somebody out? Had social media rage? We are invited in this passage to be mindful of our anger. Not to suppress it, not to repress it, but to discern it. And to allow God to speak to, through us through reflective, wise speech. In your anger, wait to speak. It brings me to the third. What does it mean to become wise with our words? And this might sound counterintuitive to some of you. But to become wise with our words means that we must be willing to tell the truth, even if the cost is high. Now, some of you, you're clapping right now. You're saying, Abe, and, and, and if you're clapping and you just stood up right now, uh, I appreciate the affirmation and the amens, but you might need to go to point number one, all right? And, and so just wait. If you're getting too excited about speaking the truth, you might want to learn to discern uh, your speech. There's a passage in Proverbs uh, that says, uh, 1425, a truthful witness saves lives, but a false witness is deceitful. Listen to the tension that we have to hold on to. For some of us, some of you watching, maybe because of your gender, maybe because of your ethnicity, maybe because of your age, maybe because of your level of education, you've been taught, you don't have to say a word. Uh, shut down, don't speak. Your, your, your speech is not welcome here. And so for some of us who have been now subjected to having your voices suppressed, the invitation is to speak out. And this is what we have to discern. For some of us, it's not be quiet. For some of us, it's speak out. Whereas for some of us, you've been known to speak over and over and over again, but your speech has not come from a place of reflection. And this is the tension that we have to hold on to. For some of us who are always speaking, the invitation is to be silent. For some of us who are always silent, the invitation is to learn how to speak and this is what this proverb is to help us to navigate wisely. But make no mistake about it. To be wise with our words requires us to speak the truth. 
Now, when I talk about speaking the truth, I'm talking about it in two ways. I'm talking about just personal honesty. And I'm talking about, from a larger perspective, righteousness and justice. To speak the truth is about us being honest about our lives, but it also requires us to speak up and speak out, especially when there's injustice and unrighteousness. Because in this scenario here, not speaking can become sin. There are times when you observe something at church, observe something at work, observe something in the neighborhood, in your home, an injustice taking place. To become wise with our words means that we speak truth. And this takes incredible wisdom. And there's a tension we have to hold on to. Listen, the Bible says that we are to speak the truth in love. To speak our words are to be words of grace. This is what Paul says, seasoned with salt. That's on one end of the spectrum. Speak the truth in love. At the same time, here's what we have to grapple with from the Bible. Have you ever seen Jesus speak against the religious leaders? Speak the truth in love and then have your words sprinkled with uh, salt, seasoned with salt. Words of grace seasoned with salt. And then you look at Jesus. There are times when Jesus looks at the Pharisees and says, and I quote, you brood of snakes. <laughs> You're a tomb uh, filled with dead men's bones. Now, how do we make sense of all this? How do we make sense of all this? Well, 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 first of all, what we have to note is that nowhere in the Bible does it say that the fruit of the Spirit is being nice. You're never going to find that. Kindness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. But being nice, what I mean by nice is often, nice is, is culturally about, I'm never going to make someone feel uncomfortable. I'm never going to speak out, even if it's pretty clear to see, that injustice, unfairness is right before everyone's eyes. But because I want to be nice, I'm not going to say anything. And so I'm going to be a peacekeeper. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be a peacemaker. I'm going to be a peacekeeper. I'm not going to rock the boat. I'm not going to say anything. And yet you don't see Jesus doing that. Whenever there's just obvious injustice, we find Jesus, who is the personification of love, speaking hard words. And yet, this is what we're called to discern. We're called to discern when we're called to be silent and when we are called to speak, which brings me to my last and final point. What does it mean to become wise with our words? Well, it means that we must choose our words and timing carefully. Proverbs 15, 22 says, a person finds joy in giving an apt reply and how good is a timely word? Too often, I'm more concerned about getting my point across than listening to God and asking, should this even be said at this moment? Timely words often must be preceded with lots of listening to God because we can say the right thing at the wrong time. Can I get a witness of this? We could say the right thing at the wrong time. 
And so our words are to be timely. Which leads me to think, how can I do this without prayer and reflection and conversation with others? How can I do any of this without God guiding my every step? We are invited to choose our words carefully and our timing carefully. The truth is, as I said at the beginning, toddlers are not the only ones who need to learn how to speak or in the process of learning how to speak. This is something that we must do for the entirety of our lives, learning how to speak. And so I want to put up the four again here. And as you look at this screen, I want you to be listening to the Holy Spirit. Where do you need to become wise with your words? Which of these four is the Holy Spirit saying, that's it. That's what I have for you. For some of you, it is talking less and listening more. For some of you, it is discerning your anger and allowing your words to come out of reflection and not out of reactivity. For some of you, you know what it means? It means that you are going to give voice to the words that must be spoken. For some of you, it means that you're going to discern and ask the Holy Spirit to help you to begin to choose the right time and the right words to speak. Here's the good news of the gospel. The truth about all this is that throughout the course of this week, we might have some good days, some bad days, some good moments, and some troubling moments. And this is what God says to us and over us. I know your foolish words. I know your lies, your broken commitments, your exaggerations. And yet I love you with an everlasting love and want my love to so saturate your being that you become a person marked by wisdom, truthfulness, love, discernment, truth, wisdom. May the Holy Spirit lead us into the kind of wise life that Christ died for us to have. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your love, which is better than life, and the wisdom that your Holy Spirit gives. We confess, Lord, that we have not always used our words in ways that have brought healing and life. So we ask for your grace, for your forgiveness, for your mercy, and that your Spirit would so now heal our hearts that the words we speak bring about much life and joy and peace and truth and justice to the world around us. We sing to you now as a response these words of praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all sing together. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head 
our service. I want to just thank you for uh, worshiping with us on this day. And at New Life, we're here to serve you, to help you take the next step in your journey in following Jesus. We're exploring what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. At the end of our service, uh, we have a sermon discussion time. One of our pastors, Pastor Jackie, will be leading uh, that time for about 30 minutes. And so if you just want to talk with some people about this message or maybe some implications of this message for your life, Feel free to join a few others of our, from our New Life congregation uh, to have a conversation. In addition to that, 
We'll have a virtual prayer room. There's a link on, on, the, uh, on our Facebook or on YouTube or newlife.nyc. And so if you just need prayer, we'd love to pray for you as we kick off this uh, new year. Maybe there have been words that spoken over you and you just want, by the power of God, the Spirit to break through those internalized words that have brought about death in your life. For those of you who have joined us, maybe you've joined us for the first time today. Maybe you've been coming for a while, but you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. You've never surrendered your life to his. You've never allowed his love to so penetrate your heart to lead you into eternal life that begins right now, to fill you with joy and peace and love. And maybe today you're saying, I'm tired of living according to these death words. I'm tired of internalizing this pathway that has been so marked my lives for so long. I want a new path. I want life. I want joy. I want forgiveness. I want salvation. I want eternal life. And if you're sensing that today, uh, you can text the phrase, yes to Jesus, to the number on the screen, 718-424-0122. And one of our pastors would love to follow up with you, to serve you, to help you take your next step on the journey. As we close, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. We end every gathering with words of blessing because the world is filled with so much cursing. The world is filled with so much negativity. And so we want to receive blessing that we would now use our words in our homes, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, over text message and social media to be words of life. Let me bless you today. Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this online gathering in the power of the Holy Spirit, saying yes to the words of life spoken over you by Jesus Christ. And may the words he speaks over you be internalized and expressed to offer blessing to the people around you. I bless you all today in the strong, in the beautiful, in the healing name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. I look forward to seeing a number of you next week at New Life. Grace and peace to you all.